Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James and welcome to Fulhamish 300, a three-ton for Fulhamish, a three-century not out as we celebrate by talking about games that aren't happening. Um, So it could be absolute chaos today. We are streaming this podcast live right now on YouTube. So we're going to be answering the questions as we go. And joining me on the podcast today is Don Betts. Hello, hello. Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Farrell Monk. Hello, friends. And Ben Jarman. Hello, everyone. Uh, The delay is there for all to see. That lag, that lag. (laughs) The delay is there for all to see. Was that me? <laughs> Good, this is starting how it's going to go on. This is going to start like how it's going to go on. Most of the intros to most podcasts we do. Yeah, yeah you're, you're seeing how it sounds uh, once the editing's uh, are before the editing's done. So, um, chaps, let's discuss um, what's not happening at Fulham at the moment. I'll start with you, Jack. And, um, well, what nine players reportedly positive uh, for Fulham, according to the press. Um, no league game until the 15th of January. And, and I saw someone put on Twitter earlier saying, is this a longer break than Fulham had in pre-season? Uh, apart from the cup game, it's not far off, is it? No, it's absolutely not. I'd just like to start this podcast by saying, I never feel more like singing the blues that when Fulham get their games cancelled because of COVID restrictions and Chelsea lose. Oh, Fulham, <laughs> you've got me singing the blues. Um, so yeah, apart, apart from that, um, yeah, it, it's obviously a bit a big break which is nice it gives us a bit of a rest a little bit of a respite and I think we saw over the Christmas period like a lot of games were quite stodgy they were quite dull and and we saw players looking a little bit more tired and, and a little bit sh- and then over this weekend people have started to sharpen up again and and actually I kind of hope that with all this in mind yes Fulham are going to get a bit of fixture build up later into the into the campaign and into the season but I do hope that this break gives us a little bit of that refresher that, yeah, doubles down, as you say, on the fact that we didn't get a pre-season. Dom, do you think this has come at a good time or a, or a bad time for Fulham? Is, is, is this going to work out well for us? Uh, Mark Holiday says, should we risk our first 11 in the cup matches um, this month? Do you think we'll see a strong lineup against QPR? I think, I, I think, it's, I think it's different for both games, really. I think, I think Burnley being postponed might have come at a good time. But but the Spurs game, I could have would have quite liked to get ahead because I don't. I well, to be honest, I don't even know when that game can be rescheduled. If Spurs go well in the FA Cup as well, alongside you know they've got their League Cup semi final this week, then they've got obviously the Europa League games, which I probably want to go far in because it's not a guarantee they're going to finish in the top four or anything. Um, it's been it's been a nice break because it feels like ever since football came back after the restart, it's just been football, 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 Fulham 24-7. And it is nice to, because it's not, it's not been a huge break. It's only probably been a week of no football. I mean, because our fixture list probably over Chris period was probably the nicest out of most teams, really, because for us, it was just a normal midweek, really. It was, it was Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, Sunday, I want to say. Yeah. And then, yeah. and so it's, it's not been too bad. Obviously, we, the QPR game should be going ahead. I think, I don't, I don't want to see, see 11 changes. I think, if, I'm, if I do want to see, you know, players like, you know, Josh Onam, who's been playing a bit for the under-23s, I would like, would like to see him because I think he can't be any worse than Ruben Loftus-Cheek and see what he can offer. Um, the likes of Cabano and Kamara will probably feature. Um, and even if, if Tete and Congolia have the right left fitness levels, I'd like to see them involved as well. But 
I think it has come at a good time just because it's just been not necessarily even for the Fulham side, just we don't have to, if it's not constantly Fulham, 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 Fulham. It is nice to have, especially this period as well, nice to actually have this sort of period off. Are you just happy because it means you can watch the darts without uh, Fulham yes. interrupting? Yes, that's that's correct. This this actually tonight has gone in the way because the dart starts in, well, I'd say just An about hour. 50 minutes and uh, and you'd imagine this is slightly overrun. So, Sam, you've actually inconvenienced on quite no, a lot with this. I'll, I'll just get, get up in a separate tab on my screen and I mean, Jack can do a li- live watch along. We, yeah, we can do a live watch along on the darts final, which is clearly what everyone's here for. Um, just for those who've been busy renovating houses and not watching the darts, can we have a, a quick summary of what's been happening? Dom, Gary Anderson is an absolute shagger is what's 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 happened so far uh no to be fair like it's been because then there's no fans though it's been a very good tournament so far uh mvg got battered by chizzy the other night five nil whitewash hasn't beaten him in 27 games before and then goes and does that but no it's been it's been the only sort of straightforward person you'd expect to be in the semi-finals and final has probably been gezi jack yeah, I would say it's just been quite, pretty straightforward for Gertwin Price. And uh, you'd imagine he's looking to, to cement his number one spot in the world with a win tonight. But uh, Anderson will have something to say. So, yeah, we're, we're excited, Sammy. Excited. Just darts-ish now. Is that, is that what we're doing? Darts-ish. Yeah. <laughs> More than ha- We've got nothing else to talk about, Dom. So uh, we might as well. Speak- so- speaking of Anderson, Ben, let's, uh, let's see the back of your shirt. Oh, very good segue. <laughs> Can we get it in? Squat like a little hoe. Oh, very nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> quite, first question, Ben. Have you made a bit of a risk getting a lone player on the back of your shirt? Um, I think that anyone that would have would have known me over the past sort of like ten or fifteen years of supporting Fulham and maybe will have um, tuned into the earlier podcast will know that basically anyone I get on the back of a Fulham shirt leaves the season after anyway. It's sort of like a bit of a curse, like a commentator's curse, if you will, uh, for Fulham players. So for me, it's no real difference. Uh, obviously, in my opinion, you know, Joachim Anderson has been our sign of the season thus far. And I think is the only person that really stood out to me when I wanted to buy the shirt that he had had a few good games. And what more can you say? Farrell, who do you have on the back of a shirt? I, I've never seen you with one. Have you got any names on back of shirts? No, I the last player that I got out of choice in the back of a shirt was Steed Malbronk, which I still have, which I still have apart from I think the four has come off. So it looks like I've got Malbronk one on the back. Um, yeah, I think Malbronk's <laughs> the last player I have on the back of a shirt as well. My brother once bought me a Bobby Zamora shirt as well, uh, only because he hated him and I loved him at the time. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, I, I, I can't say I've worn it since. Farrell once bought me a Darren Prattley shirt. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> what, a Bolton one or? Charlton, I think. Actually, no, Fulham one. I was actually thinking that you were going to wear that. I thought you were going to wear it tonight. I can't fit in that. It's like a large it's boy. It's safely tucked away, I'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read out some comments that have come through, by the way, just on the pod itself. Uh, Dan Baker says, love the pod. Well done, fellas, on getting to 300 episodes. Thank you so much, Dan. This one's very true. Can't wait to see Dom's connection drop as soon as the dart starts, which uh, I, I, I thought was was very true. Look, looking at the, the season and, and the relegation battle around us, there's been some half-decent results for Fulham this weekend, apart from maybe Brighton um, coming back against Wolves, which which was a bit of a disappointment. But, but Faz, you know, West Brom are looking like prime September Fulham right, right now, aren't they? 
Yeah, and I mean, the one of the best things that probably could have happened, I think, is them sacking Bilic and bringing in Sam Allardyce, who still has this reputation as sort of like a, a, a saviour and hero. But I can't really picture a time, certainly in recent memory, when he was that. I mean, he got his, you know, his most recent jobs are England and he lasted one game and Everton when they weren't really relegation candidates to start off with. So, you know, there are fans of his and whatnot, but I, I just don't see that that team has enough quality to start off with to be able to compete at this level and certainly not with Sam Allardyce at the helm anyway. So that really doesn't worry me. Like when I actually put the game on yesterday, it took me a little bit uh, of time to realise that West Brom were one of our sort of like um, competitors in that regard because I feel much more confident about Fulham staying up than West Brom even sort of coming anywhere close to us at the moment, although the table says differently. Ben, question here from from Paula. Is Ben going to be drunk before the end of the show? Um, I guess referring to your bottle of red that you've got going on. You mean now, then yes. Yeah, of course I am. I mean, that's my mum. So yeah, she's uh, going to, when I go back home for oh. dinner, she's going to love that. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> Didn't I didn't actually realise that was your mum. I would assume your mum would have had the surname. Um, look, generally, uh, it, it's January. Uh, Fulham haven't made a signing three days in. Uh, and Mobile Anon says, what do you think Fulham should do in January in terms of the transfer window? Um, I, I think we're all fairly agreed, aren't we, that, that a striker needs to come in. And it was quite interesting, Dom, that um, Scott mentioned that at his press conference um, last week, that he is act- actively looking for a striker to come in. So kind of what we thought might happen, but a bit of confirmation from Scott there. Yeah, I mean, if, if he was, I mean, he couldn't really say much else. It's fairly, it's fairly evident that, that, we, that we need a striker. I mean, you know, you said the only out and out one we have is Mitrovic. And, that, and that's correct. It's just, in, I'm interested to see when they go out to get a striker, what sort of, what sort of, recruitment strategy they're going to go with where they're going to go with a more experienced Premier League proven striker someone like Josh King for example at Bournemouth or they're going to go someone in the championship as well but who's been scoring a lot of goals in I don't know, someone like Adam Armstrong or they're going to go into the European market I'm interested to see what their sort of strategy is in, in terms of getting a striker who, who thinks can guarantee his goals in the Premier League Jack you're still hoping on for Divock Origi aren't you? Yeah I still, still would like Havok Origi to come in and, and cause some chaos yeah um uh, it, it, look, there's, an, there's a load of things. I think Adam Armstrong is, is going to prove to be too expensive. I think that we'd get priced out by the whole like fact that he's English and playing in the championship and Blackburn are still in the hunt for promotion themselves, even if they've dropped off a little bit. You know, They're still not miles off those playoff places. I think we'd be charged a premium for him. And I'm not sure that that's exactly what I'd be spending on now. I, I would look to Europe, but I can understand. And there, you know, Tom Grafton here said, I think we need a forward and I think we need a Premier League proven player. Um, not from the championship or overseas, given our position. And look, I, I disagree. I would bring in someone from Europe, but I, I can understand what the thinking behind this is. Yeah, I mean, I, I like this. Well, I mean, I didn't like this, but I mean, I've, I've, I thought Danny Welbeck was a bad shout, and he's, and he's, and he's proved all right on a free this season for Brighton. He said Sturridge on a free agent till the, uh, to the end of the season. Is that, is that an awful shout? Daniel Sturridge is made out of Weetabix. Like yeah. you put a little bit of hot milk next to him and his leg disintegrates. And that's why I would be signing any Daniel Sturridge. Sturridge is still living off that Liverpool season. He was well, bloody good that season. That's no, not he's, he's, about he's, living, he's, also, he's also living off that goal against Wales in the Euros. But since then, he's not really done anything. No, that is true. Has he also not got a ban hanging over his head as well? I swear he was banned for a... But, a period in time yeah, for a betting related charges. Yeah, it was it was bet, bet, betting stuff, but wasn't that to bet on him going to a club? 
And then he didn't go to the club. He bet on the club. <laughs> really? That's and unbelievable. And he didn't go to the club, I swear. Oh, man. Well, um, I mean, look, Kieran Trippier's fallen foul of that, hasn't he? It seems to be something that's happening more and more these days. And... I don't know. I feel a bit up for Trippier on that one because he told his mates, his mates put on the bet and he's the one with the ban. I mean, surely the betting companies just shouldn't have the bets on in the first place if they can be manipulated so easily. This It protects no one apart from gambling companies, in my opinion, that rule. Yeah, I mean, and that's a that's a completely different question. We got a big question about this on Twitter, and I'm sure we might address later. But but yeah, of course, I think anything that is not going to protect gambling companies in, in in an age where they already have quite a lot of power probably seems like a reasonably good shout at this point. Yeah, uh, right. Let's um, go on to some questions that um, ha- have come through today. Uh, Mark Renovich says, for the upcoming QPR game, since we're allowed to play non-Premier League registered players, is this a chance to give K-Mac and Steph Joe the send-off they deserve or would you use it to play Seri Onoma to see if they fit into the parts? We've obviously got that game coming up, Farrell, on on Saturday. And and one thing that was uh, an interesting point that I also saw on Twitter about that QPR game, it's obviously Leighton Orient earlier in the season were forced to forfeit their game against Spurs in the League Cup. And... If Fulham can't get a side together for that QPR game, it won't be rearranged. It will probably be forfeited by Fulham. And with with so many players positive, that is actually a real possibility. I think I've Dom actually touched there. it. Maybe do the latter. <laughs> well, I was going to say that I think Dom touched on it actually quite well earlier in the fact that it does, in a way, come at a good good time when we have a few players on the fringes of the squad who require some game time. Because as our squad is getting stretched due to you know, COVID-related problems, Thank, hopefully those players are okay, um, that, you know, there are quite a lot of players that need some game time and to fit into a system that they're not really ready for as well. Because as we've seen just in the last sort of couple of months, as the season's gone on, that we we don't play this parkable system anymore. We've, we've decided to change it up a little bit. So... You know, it's. I think it does come at a good time to actually sort of play the system that the, the that we are playing at the moment and get those players in, like your Josh Onomers, like your Kenny Tetes. Um, it would be nice to see Kevin McDonald and Steph Johansson, but you, I think Scott Parker's going to have to look at the bigger picture and um, and look at you know the the players that are going to be at his disposal for what is the more important thing, which is the Premier League, and it won't necessarily be the end of the world if we get sort of kicked out of the FA Cup because we're un- unable to field a side. Although I would love to see Steph Johansson score at that end again and wheel away in front of an empty stand and kiss the badge. It would be wonderful. I mean, annoyingly with the QPR game, Ben, I don't really care this season if Fulham don't have a massive cup run. We all know Premier League's the priority for us this year. But a bit like the League Cup when we ended up playing against... Brentford it's just annoying that it's QPR because you never want to lose a derby match but also it's the third round of the cup and you know we're not really in it for for the FA Cup this year so kind of frustrating really the draw because we'll never want to actively lose against QPR and I remember that Brentford game it didn't matter at all but it was just frustrating because it was Brentford and you never want to lose to them even though we beat them in the biggest game of their lives. Well, no, you never want to lose to a local rival, regardless of whether it's a cup game or league game or a league cup game. Like, 
to lose to one of your rivals is is horrible regardless of the circumstances. But I think what we need to realise is that we have nine players out at the moment with a positive COVID test. And um, it's it's pretty much not nailed on, but it's nearly a certainty that we may not get a result that is wholly positive for us this year. And I know it sounds so bad to say that against a QPR team we all want to beat, but the circumstances are almost dictating the result here. I like the previous question when he said, would we want to give K-Mac and Steph the send-off they deserve? But I don't think a 2-0 loss to QPR in an FA Cup is a send-off they deserve at all. It's probably actually quite the opposite of what we'd like them to have. So um, <laughs> Steph would definitely bag against Rangers. <laughs> I'd love it if he did. Um, but yeah, I think all signs this year have to be set on retaining our Premier League status and if we lose in the cup against QPR then so be it I mean we've already lost in the cup to Brentford and they hounded us on Twitter like they'd won the playoff final which they didn't we did um so um it can't really get much worse I mean if we stay up then it is it's all worthwhile in the end yeah um couple of comments coming in. I've seen that Jack is uh, on the Fulhamish YouTube right now and uh, winding up the masses. Uh, this one from Rick says, uh, Don Betts is a beautiful man. Just want to put that out there. I, I fully agree, Rick. Fact uh, only. Betts. <laughs> that, I, I, I can't believe your presenter is called Rick, Don. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that playing John's mum again? um this one from cam ramsey uh lampard washes uh scotty's brogues Uh, i i i've seen um cam ramsey on this one today but an interesting point after obviously chelsea got absolutely battered earlier who is the better manager scott parker or frank lampard that's not a question out there look i mean i'm gonna put this out there once and for all right frank lampard took derby from sixth to sixth and then took chelsea from third to fourth uh, and and then now he's being caught up in, after having spent two hundred million in the in the window and not being able to he's use also them so lost he two accommodate. Cup, he's also lost lost two cup finals and Parker's one the only one he's been in. Uh, it's madness. It's like it, it, look. I'm not suggesting that Scott Parker is the best manager in the world, but he learns from his mistakes. We said this the whole way through. He learns from his mistakes, and he is getting better slowly. I haven't seen anything to suggest to me that Lampard is slowly becoming a better manager. The, the thing is about Lampard as well. The thing is about Lampard as well. When I've like watched any of his pre or post match interviews, he he gives off that air of like Mark Hughes, where he sort of they don't play well, and they certainly haven't played well for the last eight nine games that I've seen. And he'll be like, "Oh, we did enough to to get a result today." And I'm like, "No, no, you didn't. Like, you were poor today. Like, They've been and one team play- in the top ten all season. Yeah, and then they and that was they the West Ham of- game where you shouldn't have won anyway." And he blames the players quite a lot, which is quite annoying. You can't blame Kepper anymore. But that's the thing, isn't it? With I think just because he's because he's Frank Lampard and and Scott Parker is Scott Parker, and because Frank Lampard was given the Chelsea job, there's this almost bias that Frank Lampard is a better manager. And I think I fully agree with with Jack. Really, like I don't think Scott is the greatest manager in football. I mean, sometimes I do, but you know, generally, if I'm being like completely. Um, honest but when you compare him to Frank like I don't think Scott would be doing any worse than Frank Lampard in that job but of course if Scott was doing the same job because he's not loved by the Chelsea fans in the same way he would be out the door by now and I think there is absolutely no question about it um speaking of all things Chelsea um there was a rumor today uh, I think it was in the sun. So I'm not going to give it the most credence uh, apologies to Izzy Barker, but um, 
it was about Loftus Cheek and Parker wanting him for 30 million. I mean, is there any substance to, to this rumor? I saw that and just thought, I mean, A, I cannot imagine that being the case, and B, just uh, why? Yeah, I don't see why we'd want to buy Loftcheek after what we've seen so far. <laughs> like he's been, he's been, he's probably had a good, he's probably played well in maybe two halves or maybe, you know, a half and the opening 10 minutes against Sheffield United. Like he, I just don't, I, I just think it's a non-story because it's, it, we, we, he hasn't shown anything that other loan players, if we're going to spend 30 million on loan player, we, we'll be spending 30 million pound on, on Anderson, not Loftus Cheek. And, I just, I just, I just think it's a completely non-story because I just don't. Lost his cheek, you know. It's not like he's started every game. He's still not match fit. He's like he wanders around like like a penguin. Like he just, he just waddles. He just, he just waddles on the pitch and he doesn't really do much. And I just, I just, I just when I when I saw that this morning, well, I say this morning, I definitely wasn't awake this morning. When I saw it this afternoon, it I was just like, <laughs> no, I just, I just, I just, I just don't see what where this story's come from. I think that there there may well be some credence to it in the fact that if someone once someone asked Scott Barker, would you like to keep Ruben Loftus Cheek? He probably was like, Yeah, I would. I think that maybe the the exacerbation is that Fulham are willing to pay a world record, you know, a club record fee for for his services. And, and perhaps that's where where things have slightly taken turn for the worst. Look, I, I still I'm adamant that we will see a better Ruben Loftus-Cheek in the, in the second half of the season. I don't think this is a player who has finished. I don't think this is a player who you know we will not see more from over the course of, of this season. But at the moment, I think it would be madness for Fulham to be looking at him and thinking, yep, club record on this geezer right now, done deal. Well, we're going to take uh, a little bit of a break. And then afterwards, uh, we have a lot of nonsense questions. Uh, and if you're watching this live on YouTube, you're, you're more than able to uh, add some more to them. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break. And then afterwards, we're going we're gonna to get getting a bit silly, if we're being honest. Welcome to part two of the Fulhamish podcast, Fulhamish 300, our live 300th episode. And we don't have any games to talk about. So... This part of the podcast and the next part of the podcast are going to be a bit indulgent, a little bit silly. We've all had a couple of beers and Ben's had half a bottle of Merlot. So uh, Out of a whiskey yeah. tumbler. <laughs> it's absolute chaos here on the podcast. Dara's calling chaos. you out here. Yeah. Dara's having none of it. He's like, what on earth is going on here? <laughs> oh, actually, I like this one. We'll start with this one for a stupid question um, from L. Heffler. Who's the worst signing you've had to talk about in the last 300 episodes? So we started in 2016. So that kind of rules out the Mark Fotheringham's of the world. Well, technic the te no, technically not, though, because we did like our worst Fulham 11. So we have technically talked about terrible he players. Didn't, he didn't sign in the time we've done the podcast. So who's the worst signing we've made since we started? So that's 20, September 2016. So basically anything from the go first? season we lost in the playoffs. Yeah, Ben, you crack on. Um, mine was Marcelo Jallo. Um, and knew you he got so far in my head. <laughs> he got so far in my head that I wrote uh, an article about him uh, on the Fulhamish website saying why we shouldn't why we should never buy him and why we should never play him. Subsequently, obviously, he had one semi-decent game at Wickham Wanderers and uh, I got inundated with DMs of him pinging cross-field balls out to the wings for about two weeks afterwards and saying that he was Premier League quality. But in, in actual fact, he, he never played for us ever again after that, I don't think. So I think Marcelo Jallo is up with, with me and that's probably the worst Tony Khan ball signing we've ever made, in my opinion. 
He's um he plays for Lugo now in the in the Segunda and uh, he's made eleven starts for them this season. He hasn't been sent off yet, which is a start. Isn't that where we signed him from? Yeah, he's a ev- he's eventually found his way back to Lugo. Oh, I had no idea. Uh, Jack, your worst signing? Um, I would potentially say Ragnar Sigurdsson. No, I've been scored Ipswich away. That Sorry. was great, and I do agree with you that that was useful. But I think it was more kind of like when Jallo signed, I had no expectation that Jallo would be good. <laughs> but obviously, it was a bit, it was a bit like okay, Marcelo Jallo is here now. I'm not sure this is going to work out fine. But when Ragnar Sigurdsson signed, it's a like a classic case of don't buy a player off the back of a tournament that they play well in. And we went and bought a player off the back of a tournament they played well in, and then he was just like not good enough. He wrote a really interesting article about it actually recently. Um, about his time at Fulham, about how he just basically lost all his confidence and all of these things. And he eventually went on you know, elsewhere and did OK again, but he never reached the heights. And he was just like, I just made the move like, way too quickly, thought I was well good, and then realised quite quickly that I wasn't good enough. And he was a bit like, oh, if you're realising that, then I had to part with watching it. And it was like one of those difficult, you know, it was, it was a really heartfelt and genuinely a very good interview. But this wasn't great. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. It, it really it, w- it wasn't pleasant for anyone. And I think the expectations made it worse. I, it's not our worst signing, but I just hated having to talk about Anthony Knockout last season. Because it's just <laughs> it, 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 it's just the same conversation. Yeah, he, 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 put, he ran about a bit. He cut inside and then skied it into Rose Ed at the Hammersmith end. Or the Putney end, depending on which, which, which half it was. But I, I, he's, he's, I wouldn't say, well, to be fair, if you take him in the fee, we, pro- we, we suppose he paid Brighton for him, then he pro- probably could be put into worse signings. But it was just so frustration, frustrating because, well, one guy, Barlow, got dog's abuse for what he said about <laughs> Anthony Knocker early on in the season. He turned out to be exactly right. And then, That's you know, fashion merchant, which, which, he, which he was. And then, and to be fair, I was the one who put it on social media. So actually, I think... Exactly. Uh, <laughs> No, you're not uh, having not, any credit there. You're not having any credit there. Uh, no. But no, I, I, it was just frustrating because it's the same. Co- we had the same. We were having the same conversation about knockout for a whole season, and when it comes to expectation to actual end product, I think he's up there with sort of the biggest difference between the two, really. Because I was expecting the Anthony knockout we saw when Brian got promoted, and we saw nothing like that. Tony Montgomery does make a great point that he was once once brilliant in that FA Cup game against Villa. He was absolutely unreal for ninety minutes, and then just went back and that was that was basically it it was, it was one unbelievable game I'm absolutely not standing for this by the way that's oh, not like okay not like okay Font. Rui Font worked very hard yeah I was I, I didn't think that Font was a bad signing I was just desperately sad it never worked that was more my feeling. Oh, yeah, after he banged it, oh, that is which you were on a bank holiday weekend. I thought he was going to be world class. I don't remember that game. Sammy won't remember that, though, because he was absolutely he battered. He was, yeah, yeah, Sammy, that was the worst. Sammy was the drunkest man alive. Uh, this is a good shout, and I think we might have forgotten this one. We spoke a lot of time discussing Ooh. him, but Hosebed. No, don't do that. No. Don't do that to Ben. <laughs> no, the, the whole Hosebed thing is that if he'd scored that free gig against QPR, he would have gone on to make 300 appearances for Fulham, scoring 93 goals. Uh, that's, not, that's the hill I would. That's the yeah, hill I, I would I, die. I agree. I, I actually, I actually thought Josebed was was a decent signing for us. He'd come off a great season at Viacano and had a decent game against Middlesbrough in the cup. He deserved more than being released back to poor old Celta Vigo. Next question that I wanted to ask: Harry Healy says, "When was the first Fulham game you all attended?" So, when was the first Fulham game? So, Farrell, if you can, um, you know, think back to the 60s, what, what was that first game <laughs> that you, you attended? 
Yeah, in the 60s when I was commentating on that game as well, um, <laughs> I thought for a second the question was when, when was the first game that we all attended together? And I was like, oh, I'm not sure about that one. But um, I think the first game, I think, was it was 1993 and we lost 3-1 at home to Cardiff. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't a particularly memorable day apart from there, was, was, your there was a striker birthday, Fulham who was my... Me and yeah. Dom weren't born... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to point a, out. There's a few. <laughs> well, at least there's one person in the room right now who has the memories of uh, when things weren't so good. Although that might be a good thing, actually. Don't know. Um, I can't remember the. I don't know what the exact first game I I went to, but the first game I remember like, a genuine thing from, and I must have been very young, was Boxing Day when we beat Watford five nil, and. Mm. We were in. The, I was in the Hammersmith end with my dad, and I was sitting on the rails in the Hammersmith end because uh, apparently that's what I used to. And I was just remember being the coldest person alive. And my dad was like, he'd given me his jumper and he had his jacket on over a t-shirt, and it was freezing. And then he kept just giving me layers because I kept being like, "Dad, it's really cold. I want to go home." We were three 0 up after about twenty minutes. And he was like, "We well, are yeah, not going home. <laughs> we're three 0 up after twenty minutes. This doesn't happen to us." And <laughs> so my dad stood there in a t-shirt, and I had about fifteen layers on me. Like, I just want to go home. I'm so cold. Um, so that's my first memory <laughs> of a Fulham game. Although I imagine it wasn't my first one because I think I was a season ticket holder at that point. Okay, mine, mine was back in 2005. Um, my dad got me, uh, me and him, a kids for a quid ticket. My dad's a Barnet fan. And at that point, you know, I was doing what all the kids in Essex do and support someone that isn't your local team. And I went along to Fulham and we watched uh, Fulham 3, Aston Villa 3, uh, when I think Liam Ridgewell scored two and Brian McBride scored two. And it was absolutely freezing cold walking back to Putney Bridge, much like uh, Jack was on his first ever Fulham game. I think I was probably the coldest person in the world as well, sitting on the wooden seats in the Johnny Haynes. And um, yeah, that was uh, that was the start of something, I think, when you walk down Stevenage Road and you see the facade of the Johnny Haynes and you, you think, I could definitely do this week in, week out, even if it is a two and a half hour trek across Essex and across London, I'll, I'll, I can I can go for that. So yeah, 2005 was my first ever game. That that goal by McBride, I think it was he scored two headers that game, and the second one was an unbelievable header at the back post. I think it was one of those underrated Fulham goals. If anyone remembers it, obviously just me. <laughs> just you. I don't have much in the way, mate. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember rogue home games against Birmingham in 2005. <laughs> Look it up. Look it up, sports fans. It's a cracker. <laughs> uh, mine was uh, a 2-0 win uh, against Leicester City in, I think, 2003, 2004. Um, I think, yeah, at us Road. That was my first game because my primary school uh, used to... Because, of course, when I did the training, used to get cheap tickets through them. So, yeah, my first game was in 03, 04. And then I think my first season ticket was two seasons later, the season we beat Chelsea. And then been a season older, basically, ever since then, really. Uh, my first game was Fulham 2, Southampton 0 in, uh, I think, September 2001. And I had an amazing unbeaten record of going to Fulham games for about two years, long into our time at Loftus Road. And I think then Danny Murphy scored a penalty uh, for Liverpool and it ruined my unbeaten record. Um, but... Famously before then, Farrell likes to point out that I was a Man United fan. I wasn't really a football fan at all, but I got taken by um, uh, a colleague of my mum who was a Fulham fan. And 
I didn't really like to support any football team. If I said anyone, I said Man United, but not really. Um, but yeah, that was my first Fulham game and never really looked back. I had one season of the old cottage, which I like to reflect on uh, nicely, which which was just a good time. But yeah, Farrell loves to bring out that I used to support Man United to anyone that will listen to him at any kind of function where we're together. It's very important. I think I've been, I think I must have made that comment once and it's been living in your head ever since. <laughs> yeah, literally Farrell is rent free in your, in your gaff. <laughs> rent free. So next question uh, comes from TJ. Says, since you've been doing this since 16, 17, can you look back at some of the crazy moments such as the train station quote Ranieri's McDonald's run Savisa's triple T tweet and any others you can think of can we just think of some of your favorite kind of weird moments that have happened to do with Fulham since we started this podcast in in 2016 I mean for me I think the whole Craig Klein thing was particularly notable when when all of that kicked off that day I was like what is happening this is absolute peak Fulham 1617 was just a basket case of which which I, I, I look back on fondly. But Jack, your kind of favourite weird Fulham moment since we started the pod? Actually, it got brought up the other day, but being sent home from Reading after the fog had cleared <laughs> and they abandoned the game was one of the, weirdest nights, one of the weirdest nights of my life. Um, I remember being there, being like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, and I remember it was the day, obviously it was the day before New Year's Eve. And on New Year's Eve, I was meant to be driving up to Edinburgh. And because we got sent home early from the game, got back to back to Acton about, I don't know, probably like half nine, 10 o'clock. And it was like, oh, pubs are open. Should we go for a couple of drinks? And ended up getting absolutely on one and like basically woke up the next morning and was like, oh, I'm meant to be on a train to Edinburgh. <laughs> and having to like scramble around to see like, my mate was like, oh, we're driving. Do you want to come with us? So it's like scramble across London to get in a car and then be like, oh, I feel so sick sleeping the whole way up to Edinburgh, basically just been hanging over a sin through the whole of Hogmanay and being really confused as the whole thing. And, and it's all because that game was shouldn't have been cancelled and was. Yeah, I, I, I still didn't see what it was like in the second half. I think I was in the concourse and someone told me it's been cancelled. I was like, <laughs> I was like, you're having me on here. Like, <laughs> the, the fog had cleared. You could tell that fans haven't been in stadiums. The fog had cleared. It was so annoying. You were like, it was really foggy, and now it's not foggy. Why have you said back to Acton, and I was—I think I was still in a pub in Reading when you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I was in Reading until like ten, ten thirty in the evening in some, in some random pubs. Didn't get home till like half past midnight. You were the one to end up end up in Edinburgh, weren't you, Dom? Not Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, to be fair, I don't ever. I only fall asleep on tubes. I don't tend to do it on trains, so I'm I'm not too bad. Although I do tend to just go around the Victoria line over and over again for about four hours. So, and what about when you drink? Uh, well, when, when I drink, it's the Northern Line. I wake up in like Edgware or something. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm standing at the gates of hell here, wait with waiting waking up in the depths of North London, which just isn't needed. Uh, Farrell, your weirdest full of moments since we started the pod. Good suggestion here from um, George Cooper, which is uh, Kamara getting arrested. That that was bonkers. And uh, his aunt. Yeah, I was I was literally going to say Kamara getting arrested at the training ground because it was just so unexpected. I would have gone for the whole Craig Klein saga, which seems to still go on like. You know, it seems to, it's going to go on as long as Neighbours has. It's just going to keep rolling on for the next couple of decades. Uh, going to end up on Channel Five as a soap, perhaps at one point. Some of the weirdest, some of the weirdest ones. Um, Tony Khan telling a supporter to go to hell via Twitter was pretty funny. <laughs> um, 
Tony, Tony Khan saying that we've become a yo-yo club and inciting the whole of Twitter a few weeks ago is incredibly funny. And apologising on behalf of Scott basically caused all of the Fulham universe to go into meltdown. My personal one... TK, to be fair, does have the entire fan base on strings. He, he does. My, my personal favourite <laughs> yeah. was um, I drove all the way up to... Um, Birmingham for that away game where we had to win to go up or to stand a chance of going up and um, I'm going for a wee uh, in the in the concourse um, and someone comes up behind me and taps me on the shoulder not in the toilet just in, just in the concourse Ben yeah yeah um, and someone yeah. someone behind come up behind me and taps me on the shoulder and says um, are you Ben from Fulhamish and I said yes yes I am um, and he waited for me to finish going to the toilet and attempted to shake my hand before I'd washed my hand <laughs> And then I saw him again uh, at, at, at a game in Norwich City and he, and, uh, he tapped me on the shoulder again. And this time, thankfully, uh, I had clean hands to shake his hand. But yeah, I see him quite a lot, actually. He's a really nice bloke. But that was one of the weirdest things I've come across. Is he, is he tuned in? Because that would be quite good. It was Dom. It would be amazing yeah. if he was, but, but, but I, genuine, I genuinely is, is a lovely bloke. But that, was, um, that took me off off. Caught me off guard quite a few times. At that um, at that game, um, about twenty minutes into it, uh, Collins John just randomly appeared and sat in the, sat in the row in front of us and was well into the game. It was it was beautiful. Okay, right. Let's move on with the weird questions. I will do this one to end the part from Lucas. He says, "On a toilet roll holder, do you have the loose toilet uh, uh, toilet roll end coming over the top or dangling from below?" Don bets. I'm expecting a lengthy answer. Don bets. Are you in a above or below? No, me and me and Luke always have in in depth conversation about bog roll. Uh, we 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 we, probably, we have a whole list comparing the different ones we had in different ones in Prague for the Czech Republic England game. Uh, the ones the one don't go to the uh, White Horse on Town Square. The toilet paper there is diabolical. Don't it's like sandpaper. Um, but um, the no, I always have it hanging down. But you know, to be fair, in my upstairs bathroom there's not even a toilet roll holder, so it just sits on the edge. I thought the question might be. If you that on the toilet roll, what pictures of what person would you have on the paper? Frank Lampard. Oh, that's, that was the first one I would have <laughs> as well, actually. Jack, who would you have? I I, I have. No I've not answer. thought about this. I would go. I would disagree with Dom though. I think it would be over the top. You'd want the toilet roll. Right. It's always over the top. I'm, but people that go the other way are weird. I can't quite get my head around that. At the end of the day, it, you're wiping your ass with it. It doesn't really matter which way it's coming, does it? It's true. This is a good weird moment, by the way. <laughs> 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 I was, I was there for, I was there for this, and yeah, um, <laughs> Kelly Summers uh, interviewing myself and Dom live on BBC One, and she's asked me what do I think of the cup run today, and I give a really like respectable answer, and the reason that Dom says that he wants us to lose today against Villa is because he wants Charlton away on a Saturday, and you couldn't see Kelly's face because it was zoomed in on Dom, but Kelly just looked around at her producer thinking. Yeah. Why does he care if it's on a Saturday All or a I'm Wednesday? saying is, well, you knew 2020 was going to be a terrible year when this was the first thing that happened. So I think well, it was on like the 3rd or 4th of January. Was and, this but year? It, yeah, it wasn't on a Saturday. It ended up being a Tuesday. It was a terrible game of football. It was, it was maybe the worst game of football ever. Poor old Kelly, though. Kelly's lovely. <laughs> she had to put up with Dom chatting absolute nonsense for the entirety yeah. of that interview. Yeah. Why did you take Dom in hindsight, Dammy? What a ridiculous thing to do. You were on the know, BBC. I, just, 
I don't know. The BBC were like, oh yeah, we want we want you to go on focus. Who would you like to take out of Fulhamish? And I, I don't know. I just thought change it up. I'll, I'll take Dom along. Dom's trying to defund the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that was the start of my progress. But it's a valid was, point. It is a valid point that you'd rather chant away be on a Saturday than a Tuesday. And if it means oh, yeah, losing was, in the car, oh, I I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. So, so it's, it's just you got to break the mold sometimes. And no, but that Villa game was actually class because Harry Harry Arter scored an absolute howitzer. We all had a great time after knockout scored one as well. We, it? it was literally howitzer central, and then Rodak made the most unbelievable save of all time. Yeah, it was a great game. We had a great fun there that Villa game. Yeah, I would have taken I would have taken loss if it meant Charlton Wales on a Saturday though. So that's that's the moral from the <laughs> was story. It, wasn't that Charlton? And Charlton away was one of our last. <laughs> Away day experiences, really. Yeah, nil nil, wasn't it? It was boring. Yeah, it was. It yeah, was the worst game ever. The only good thing about diabolical. The only, the only good thing about that game is you could watch the second half from the bar. Yeah, um, yeah. 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 <laughs> that was literally the it. Of the valley. Uh, one last question for this part: best Fulham kit in your opinion? I'm warming to this year's. Looks sexy in the dark. I mean, Ben could try that out for us now by turning the lights off. I assume it means the yellow. <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. Did you do right? Who, <laughs> <laughs> me or Theo? Both, probably at this point. I think Ben looks sexy in the dark. Uh, Favourite kit? <laughs> uh, the red and black GMB stripes. I was weirdly mentioned talking about that earlier. I couldn't find it, otherwise I'd be wearing it. I used to have one of those, uh, those that red GMB one, and I accidentally left it in a pub in Clapham before going to crawly away in pre-season whenever it was like five six seven years ago oh was that and, the Costa Staffelidis masterclass uh yeah and I think actually Collins John was actually a trialist for Crawley that day and was warming up and get warming up and was just basically warming up by the Fulham fans even though the rest of his teammates were warming up the other side can we but just I'm agree still... that this is the wrong answer George Singer just <laughs> chatting absolute rubbish as usual. Singer, this this probably some, there's probably some statistical reason. No, why even, this is Rick, the even Rick's gone. Rick's gone as well. Undefeated <laughs> Harrods kit. Yeah, but as a kit, it's pony. Yeah. Like, now, I would say yeah, the yellow demon internet. Yeah, I, ooh, I can yeah. show you that one. I've Hang just, on. I've just, I've just bought that one on eBay, actually. Got it coming in a yeah, few well, days. Yeah, I, I bought it on Classic Football Shirt. said it was a small and turned up and it was an extra large. So it didn't really help. That is neat. I could fit into that one. That's my first ever kit. <laughs> I think the one that's turning up is actually a small. So if you want to do a swap, I don't mind. Oh, and I've already solved the extra lodge. Oh. <laughs> um, either of the Pizza Hut kits. Scott, Allen, Scott Allen's got it right. Either of the Pizza Hut kits. Mwah. I the think red and black the, away, particularly. They're over overrated because it was so funny that we were sponsored by Pizza Hut. <laughs> like, the kits themselves are just fine, but the fact that we were Pizza, sponsored Pizza, by Pizza Hut and Adidas is such a brilliant combination. Right? Yeah, it was it was a flex. To be fair, one last shout would be the <laughs> would be the one with the black sleeve, just that black sleeve there, which is yes. the one that I've got oh, Malbronco at the back. Yeah, yeah. O three O four and a good football team to go as well. The only problem is those dabs.com kits just fitted horribly. The, the hole to put your head in is absolutely tiny. But you'd be all right, wouldn't you? Yeah. Hey. Massive strawberry if, you're, if you're slightly out of shape, you're buggered. Uh, right, we're going to take another quick break and then afterwards we will wrap up our 300th ever podcast. 
part three of the Fulhamish podcast, Fulhamish 300. I am Sammy and I'm here with Dom, Jack, Ben and Farrell. So for the last part of the podcast, because we haven't got any games to talk about or anything like that, uh, I wanted to give you a couple of questions slightly more related to Fulhamish. Uh, so I'll start with John E. Harkness, who says, congrats on 300, exceptional effort. Did you think starting the podcast that you'd make two, let alone 300? Uh, Jack, I'll put this to you. Did you, uh, did you ever envision Fulhamish getting much past a few pods? Um, I think the first time you put me and Dom in a room together, I'm surprised that either of us came out alive, never mind yeah, yeah, with yeah. the uh, impression of making 300 podcasts. But here we are, um, fast friends despite being uh, weird rivals in almost everything we do. So, so yeah, I mean, look, I, I went into it. I, Sammy, as you know, the reason I, I basically got the call up was because I'd messaged you for ages trying to be your co-host on FFC Radio because I was like, I'd like a career in the radio, please. Um, and and it sort of spelled from there. So I was kind of not 100% sure what I was letting myself in for. But um, as soon as it started, I was pretty confident that we'd get a decent run going. It seemed to be, it seemed to work from whistle go, no? It did, really. Uh, ben, you were the hardest to uh, to pin down for, for a podcast. Um, did you think you'd be here 300 podcasts later? No, uh, to be honest with you. I thought... Um, I, to be honest, I thought you'd probably get rid of me after the first one I'd done with you because I came with a notepad full of um, full of points and statistical irrelevancies and tactical formations that I thought you probably wouldn't want to ever hear ever again. So when you asked me to come back for the second week in a row, I was mildly surprised. But the one thing you've you've never told me after all this time is you've told me once before actually that that someone tipped you off that I might be fairly good to get on a podcast because I used to write about Fulham all the time, but you've never told me who it actually was and you always claim you can never remember. So it'd be good to know. I think I remember. I think it was, it was, it was was Jeff Bruce who works for the club. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly that um, Jeff told me about you and that you were a good fan. I don't, I can't remember though, because I don't remember talking to Jeff about this podcast specifically, but I remember Jeff putting me in your direction. It was back in the Sonic It's Glory days. I always remember you, you looking back at the messages and you being like, would you like to come on a podcast, mate? And it looked so bad for me because I didn't answer, but it, I was just like, why would anyone want to ever listen to me? But I'm so glad I've done it, obviously, 300 <laughs> down. Um, being, being roundly booed by everyone in the, in the pub at the 200 Live was great. Um, you know, it was, yeah, it was it's, just, it's just been the, such a good journey. And obviously we won, the, we won the podcast of the year last year. So no, I could never imagine it being as good as it has been. And I'm thankful for all of you boys and all the friendships I've got out of, out of Fulhamish. Didn't the um, booing come around because you said that Steph Joe wasn't that good anymore and that uh, you quite rightly were, well, not that, I mean, we love Steph Joe, but he didn't feature that much after that game. So maybe you were proved right after the booing. I was I was not accepting that early doors. I was like, no, we're not having that. He'd, he'd had a really, really bad game. For some reason, he had played on like the left-hand side of the midfield and everything that had got, gone through him had just gone really badly. And I just said, like, I don't think he had a great game. Sean Davis come up. And was like, oh, I'm going to get the crowd on side. I'm going to slag Ben off. So he did. He was like, the guy who was up here saying Steph Johansson had a bad game is talking absolute rubbish. And there I am just by the bar <laughs> of a pint, just crying into it. Like, cheers, mate. I went up to him later when I was about hey, five really? pints deep and just said to him, cheers for mugging me off, mate. And he was like, no, no worries, mate, at all. And then uh, obviously we got a picture and that and he's just such a good lad. So it all worked out in the end. I got a picture with Sean. So it's all good. 
Um, this one from, from Rick, we've definitely had a few of these. Any times where you didn't feel like doing the pod after a, a terrible performance? I never forget that, um, Farrell, there was a time where myself, you and Jack uh, did a pod after we got beaten by Brentford 2-0. And I think we had to go to Jack's dad's office to record it. And I remember it was like a couple of seasons in and we, me and you had just played football and got battered, um, as we tended to do in that football team. Um, and... That was probably one of the moments, but there's been a few, haven't there, where doing a pod hasn't been as fun as you maybe would have thought. I remember that pod very, very well. And it's one of those uh, one of those sort of like moments. It was like a watershed moment in the entire season. And it sticks out in my memory specifically. And it's a bit of a humble brag because I said at that time that I still think that we would not, we wouldn't, we would might challenge for promotion or at least get promotion or, or, or get promotion. And both you and Jack basically looked at me as if like I was the craziest person in the world. And we ended up getting promoted. Um, and yeah, well done, so that's one Fair thing, play that you, one has always stuck in my memory. I mean, I still think I'm mad whenever I'm optimistic about Fulham really, because it very rarely goes our way anyway. But, you know, I don't think that, there's been me- there hasn't been that many times where I thought I really don't want to do the podcast afterwards because I know I'm I'm speaking for my only for myself here but I mean I I like talking about football much like 99% of other people do too um, I just get the opportunity to have a little bit of an audience and I don't know why Sammy keeps asking me to turn up week in week out. Ah, you're good with the accounts, that's why. Um, this one for Jack, Oh, Sammy, Sammy, can related. we just, before we move on from that question, can we just talk about the Whisper podcast? Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Well, that was, uh, that was what I was going to come on to. That's oh, the question okay, there. fair enough. Oh, okay, there it is. Um, no, no more Whisper pods. I've decided that AMSR is not really my thing for now, although it depends how good or how well Ranks FC goes. I might have to, you know, make it an OnlyFans if there are people that, um, that are really into it. <laughs> But um, no, hopefully, hopefully you you like you think okay. Oh, we know we're gonna we know we're gonna hit here. That was the worst. That Huddersfield defeat. I've never been more angry. The the Brentford ones were bad. The one on the way home from Southampton after we'd had a night out in Southampton and we were just like absolutely wrecked on a train trying to record on the way home so that we didn't have to do it when we got back. And it was my birthday, and all I did was for the whole thing was just shout Ranieri out. And um, that was that. That was a bad one. There haven't been too many desperate. Ones. But do you remember when we started? We couldn't buy a win. The first five yeah, podcasts, yeah, we, we, were we were unbeaten. We were unbeaten, and I think that Birmingham game was our first defeat. Which and then we, we did. did the then we did five pods, and I don't think we won a game in the next five pods. <laughs> we thought there was a Fulhamish curse. Yeah. That whispering pod was a weird one. There was someone that asked a question and I've forgotten their name. I'm really sorry, but said, is there any Fulhamish podcasts? I'm a fairly new listener. I should go back and check out. And my instant reactions would be like, listen to the Breda Hangland interview, probably the Tony Khan interview. Um, there's a couple of nice ones there. I really enjoyed the one I did with Richard Osman and, and, and anyone that was straight after one of the playoff wins as well was a great podcast, but the whispering one is a bit of folklore after we lost the Huddersfield one nil and myself and Jack had to record it super quietly because my mate Alex, who I was staying with was waking up at 4am in the morning and was in the next room and specifically told us to shut up. Um, so we had to whisper. We didn't quite realize how badly we were whispering until it came out. Um, that, that was a, a particularly weird podcast. Um, Dunty says best all time podcast name. Can anyone think of one here? Cause obviously don't, we don't ask three... me. I don't, I don't remember the, what our last one was the, called. 
the one and I was on uh, that. the one that has always stuck in my memory was I mean it is it's quite recent it's the Bobby decade over Reed one which was fantastic I can't remember who who came who came up with that three word review but it's I think it's one of the best podcast names I, I'm sure it became the podcast name leave this one yes, with me yes, I'm gonna have a dig. Okay, I'm going to leave that one with Jack. He can uh, he can go back through. Uh, one final question, which I wanted to end on, which I just thought was an exceptional question and definitely deserves to be the final one from Chris F. What do you think will be the key Fulham issues when you reach episode 600? So obviously we've been going just over four years now. So if it was episode 600 at the same rate, you would expect it to be in about four years time. So that would be 2025. What will be the key Fulham issues in 2025? Dom, I'll start with you. You can, uh, you can be serious or not. Nice. What team are picking in the UEFA Conference League final? <laughs> <laughs> where, will, where will it be held out of interest? Um, where, some rogue city on the Eastern Bloc. I can't... I don't, yeah, probably... Uh, let's go with... Yeah, let's go go with something like Bucharest or Sofia. Nah, so, Skopje. Somewhere. Skopje, no. the, the Skopje yeah. is, is an unreal place. I would love it to be there. Sarajevo. Yeah, class. Oh, fantastic. Pristina. Fantastic. I think we might be co- contemplating Slavisia Kanovic coming back. I think he'd, re- he'd have had enough of a managerial hiatus then. He'd be the right age. He'd have learned a few things. He'd have seen some new stuff and he'd be ready to, to make things right uh, at Fulham in 2025. Does Tom Kenny suit his uh, deep-lying defensive midfielder role like the Danny Murphy quarterback role and when he's approaching his later <laughs> years? <laughs> Ben, anything that Fulhamish might be discussing in uh, episode six hundred? Uh, I think I think we're probably going to be um, is is Sammy Junior and uh, uh, Jack Junior going to mean that we're going to have to get a new host and the co-host? And is the Saudi Arabian consortium that have taken us to League One deserve to still be <laughs> the owner of the club? Um, and uh, how are we going to get out of this mess? <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, you never, never know. I mean, how who could have predicted how, how amount of things? So much has happened since we started Fulhamish. Imagine if we'd done Fulhamish from like, I don't know, like 2006 to 2010. It would be rubbish. But, you know, two promotions, one relegation. Who knows what will happen this season? All of those mad times, the visa, Ranieri, um, and now Scott Parker. Um, it's been an awful lot that's happened at Fulham in, in that time and it's been great to be uh, doing Fulhamish. Um, so thank you so much for watching today. Um, we've got, by the way, I just want to just put a couple of these suggestions for the, the best names I've been looking through uh, and there are some exquisite ones. Marching Onoma together after we beat Leeds mm. was, was absolutely <laughs> excellent. If I was a doy, we've had blood sugar <laughs> cess magic. <laughs> Blood Sugar Cess Magic was an early favourite of mine. To ream, to ream the Impossible Ream was a good one. The Lions, <laughs> Mitrovic and the Wardrobe was a, was a bit of a classic. Um, Red Rodak Redemption I thought was, was classic, but I actually do think the best tale we've ever had was after that unbelievable night where we hammered Millwall at the cottage on a Tuesday night, the death by a thousand passes. Our podcast name was... Super Cavi goes ballistic, no wall are atrocious. And thank you very much and good night. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, thank you so much for listening today and watching as well. If you are one of the few hundred people that tuned into the live YouTube stream, um, it's been a bit of a shoddy podcast. We didn't have much to discuss. It's been a bit self-indulgent at times, but I think after 300 podcasts of uh, talking nothing but uh, the latest Fulham game and the upcoming Fulham game, uh, and especially with no games around, it felt like a perfect opportunity to be slightly self-indulgent. So uh, if you've enjoyed it, fantastic. If not, then on Thursday, we'll be very much back to business. Uh, it'd be myself, Jack and Peter looking forward to that QPR game. Does it happen? Doesn't it happen? Who knows? But um, thank you so much for getting involved with Fulhamish down the years. Um, we couldn't do this without people listening um, and without all of your tweets, three word reviews, questions, emails, etc., etc. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, loads of people getting involved um, now on the YouTube as well. Scott Allen, Rick, uh, Joseph Gunning, Katrina Fuller, uh, Charlotte Jarman, presumably related to Ben, but I don't know. But uh, all that remains for me to do is to thank my guests. Uh, to Don Betts, thank you very much. It's all right. Jack Collins, thank you very much. Thank you, Sammy. Farrell Monk, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Enjoy the darts, everyone. And Ben Jarman, thank you very much. Thank you, Sammy. Thanks, everyone, for four years of nothing but unwavering support and love. I thought you were just going to finish at nothing now. <laughs> <laughs> We've been Fulhamish. Thank you very much. Come on, you whites. You whites. You whites. Toodles.